Welcome to On the Other Side, where we talk crypto, culture, and society, and how crypto might shape society and change how real humans live their actual lives. Every week, we have on cool people from the crypto world to talk about what they're building and what the implications of that might be for real human beings. Before we hop into the show, I want to give a quick thank you to the sponsors that make this episode possible. On this show, we talk all about the human side of Web3 and the philosophy of Web3, but when you're ready to get your hands dirty, Rabbit Hole is the place to go. Rabbit Hole curates all of the wildness of Web3 into one simple place where users can go to be directed towards positive sum protocols and build their skill set as they do it. In this episode, we talk about DAOs, and Rabbit Hole has an intro to DAO skill that guides you through all of the basic tools you need to know in order to be a DAO contributor. You can check it out at rabbithole.gg. Thank you, Rabbit Hole, for sponsoring On the Other Side. All right, let's hop into the show. I am here with Sherry from Water and Music. I am so excited to chat today. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, likewise. I can't wait to get into a bunch of things around music in the metaverse and media and all of the things. Before we do that, do you want to give a little bit of background on you and how you fell down the crypto rabbit hole? For sure. So my background professionally has always been in the music industry, and it's always been primarily through writing as my main outlet. So I have been writing about the music industry since 2015. And for the first three to four years was primarily freelance in a traditional sense. So writing for a bunch of different trade publications like Billboard and Variety, also for business publications like Forbes. And my beat in particular as a freelancer was always music and technology and how those two worlds intersected. Everything from like biggest streaming services like Spotify and what they're working on to also interviewing a lot of early stage founders trying to solve problems for artists and for other people in the industry. Actually, the very first music conference that I attended in 2015 was also the first time that I learned about blockchain as a concept. Um, The landscape back then obviously was very, very different from now in terms of just like what was possible with the technology and then also subsequently how like people and society at large reacted to it. But that put me down a very like industry specific rabbit hole. So very early on 2015, it was just like an intro to blockchain panel that ended up being a shouting match basically between this one blockchain startup founder that was like trying to uh, disintermediate the music industry, have artists, you know, sell music directly to their fans, which is still a very compelling idea. And one of said intermediaries on the panel, it was someone from a performing rights organization, which is one of the many stakeholders in the very complex web of music copyright that kind of collects royalties for artists. Anyway, that yeah, that put me down a very specific rabbit hole because it immediately woke me up to how a lot of the challenges that like music and cultural industries would face in embracing blockchain was like as much about like industry politics and willingness or or lack thereof for these like huge incumbent companies to embrace new technology. And also to clarify, this was back. So it was back then in the music industry, the main use cases for blockchain that people were excited about and were talking about were about like decentralizing rights and ownership information because that, that info is tech- typically very opaque in the industry. But to, to get that to a point of being like usable at scale, you, ha- you have to get a ton of historically very non-transparent organizations to share all their data about rights ownership, which is like not going to happen overnight to date. It still hasn't happened. So 
anyway, that, yeah, that got me down like a more critical research oriented rabbit hole around blockchain and Web3. Fast forward to last year, 2021, where a whole new wave of interest in Web3 driven in large part by these very like big ticket blue chip NFT auctions, uh, PFP projects like that kind of coming in. And immediately I noticed a huge difference from like the conversations I was noticing back in like 2015, 2016, at least in music. In the current wave, it is 100% led by independent or at least like individual artists, like trying to experiment with like new economics around new art they were releasing from the ground up, as opposed to the discussions that were happening around 2015, which is like, how do we get this incumbent industry that already exists and like try to fit it onto the blockchain, which like some people could argue is kind of like trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So <laughs> yeah, so that, that that brought me down a whole new rabbit hole. It was very artist centric, very focused on NFT specifically. So I haven't even like mentioned modern music this whole time. So around 2019, 2020, I transitioned from primarily freelancing to running my own music and tech newsletter and community called Water Music. And around this time, yeah, it was when I was noticing a switch in perception and also just like use cases and actual money flowing into music Web3 projects, especially NFTs. So we have an ongoing music NFT database that's updated every single week with new drops that are happening primarily from independent artists across uh, across blockchains and across different platforms that where they might be listing them. And then that brought me down a whole other journey that has brought me to where I am now operating a hybrid Web2, Web3 company. So around last summer, like kind of at the the height of NFT hype, it was just me and one other person primarily. Her name is Brooke. She's now our research and database lead at Water Music. It was just the two of us curating this database. And we very quickly realized that there was only so little relatively of a very long tail market like music NFTs that we could capture just on our own. Like it had to be, you know, in in a world where Twitter is the media outlet of choice for so many of these creators, there's going to be so much that isn't picked up by traditional media outlets. That's very much still the case today. And so you really need people who are like tapped into those long tail communities to help curate a pretty gargantuan project like this. And so as as it always gets very meta with, I think like Web3 related conversations, it was in like trying to research Web3, like a market like Web3 and realizing how fragmented and distributed it was in terms of how people share and exchange and learn information that this idea of collaborative research enabled by Web3 kind of as the rails, so using tokens to incentivize and reward research. Last summer was around when that idea crystallized for me. And timing plays a huge role in this. The week that I had that realization was also the week that C-Club's applications were closing for their third cohort, which ran last fall. And I was like, oh, this 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 accelerator seems like a good opportunity to test drive a lot of my initial ideas, kind of really nail the community design and token design around what kind of token-enabled collaborative research would look like, both in the music industry and at large. And so... Uh, very thankfully, I got in. It was the best like crash course introduction to Web3 and DAOs that I could ask for. And uh, I was able to pilot a couple of different collaborative research models during that time. So it started out with just like a collaborative article with 10 people in the water music community about spatial audio. And it was a pretty niche topic to cover. So it was a very small group of people, but I'm super proud of the article that came out of that. And then that kind of created the bedrock for 
now what is like a much more regular ongoing collaborative research effort within water music. So uh, there's a huge difference that's happened between, I guess, this time last year and now, which is where previously it was mostly just me writing all the articles and editing some occasional guest articles. Now all of water music's activity is driven around these collaborative research and educational projects. So now there are around 10 or so such projects happening in the community, all led by and pitched by community members. A lot of them are Web3 related, but a lot of them are also uh, not. Like there's one that's looking at like marketing ROI in the music industry and trying to create a framework around that. So goal is just to encourage more collaboration in the music industry, encourage more transparent knowledge sharing in an industry that has historically been very opaque, and then using Web3 as the rails to build out an incentive and compensation and reputation structure around that in a way that hopefully can apply to other industries and communities outside of ours as well. So yeah, that's the, I guess, TLDR of the rabbit hole started from the research side. And now I'm definitely deep in the weeds day to day from the operational side as well. Yeah. I remember when Water and Music joined Seed Club within the Accelerator, because Water and Music was like quite well known within the music industry outside of Web3, it, it felt like a big signal to people and people were really excited about that. So it's really cool to see a community that already existed outside of Web3 really be able to like come in and and play around with and like fully leverage a lot of the stuff that's happening in the space. And I think this notion of collaborative research is like super fascinating in the context of water music. So I just want to make sure that we like lay it out really clearly. Is all of the collaborative research done through this sort of DAO-like structure or is part of it still in the Web 2 side and some of it's sort of on the Web 3 side of things? Yeah, in terms of, so the tools that we use to coordinate as of seemingly every other DAO, uh, Discord is our main uh, community hub for coordinating that. So we have like one thread for each project that we set up and there's a designated project lead that kind of helps coordinate that. So the coordination is happening in like a pretty, I, I guess happening on Web2 platforms, but yes, it's happening under the DAO structure in that every project that comes out will have an allocation of our token, which is called Stream. We'll also have, because Stream is no financial value currently, there also is compensation usually, and we're very recently have been uh, giving more flexible options to project leads and contributors just because of the current state of the market. So you can get paid in USDC or ETH. Or we're even like offering fiat as an option just because some people prefer that for bill paying purposes. So, and also just to clarify the compensation structure, which is I think also important context for like how we can keep these projects running. So I, I started Water Music in 2019 as a paid newsletter and membership on Patreon and have kept that, I guess, Web2 membership revenue to this day, and it remains by far our top source of revenue and our only source of recurring revenue in terms of month-to-month income. We also have NFT sales on the side that we release alongside our larger reports, but it's still primarily, yeah, Web2 memberships that drive the business, which then allows us to give this flexibility to people. So yeah, so compensation spans, I guess, Web2, Web3 means. Coordination also spans both Web2, Web3 means. And in terms of what the stream token represents which is about, uh, I guess, contributing to this knowledge and information graph that we are building for the music industry and this like repository of yeah, knowledge and resources that we're building for the music industry. All the projects that are happening are in service of that goal. And so are um, 
so warrant their own stream allocation. So yeah, it is all happening under this DAO and token thesis. And I'm super curious. So like when you think about this, the building of this knowledge and resource graph, I would consider that media, like generally the reports that Water and Music is producing and all of that stuff. And so in some ways, it's interesting because you kind of have this like really high quality media creation process, basically. And I'm curious how you filter for ensuring that you meet like a certain quality standard, which I think is a really big challenge that a lot of DAO-like organizations face in general is the moment that you allow anyone to contribute, you have this like question around how you make sure that you reach a certain bar of quality. So I'm curious how you've navigated that and what the process for actually taking on a project looks like. Uh, for sure. Yeah. The the filtering process at Water Music remains very centralized or very like tightly managed. And I'm definitely like very open about that in terms of whom a given project has to go through before being published on the Water Music site. Definitely want to open that up more widely to the community long term. But so right now, the way that that filtering process works is so so anyone in the community can pitch like an article idea to the core team at Water Music, which now essentially acts as the filter for like which projects to green light in the first place. And those people, I think, have like the strongest day to day. And this includes myself, so maybe biased. But they have like the strongest day-to-day understanding of how water music runs and also the, I guess, higher level strategic context of where it is headed and also like the history of like how water music as a brand got here as well. So so for now, even that like pitching and vetting process still goes through uh, just us, but it also happens relatively quickly. Like I also have very strong opinions, which I'm happy to go into about what kinds of decisions need to be put to a token vote versus not. And I have very mixed feelings about, at least in in the water music context, about every editorial decision having to be put to a token vote. So for like accepting project proposals, the process actually happens pretty quickly because very often there are like trends that people want to write about that move quite quickly or technologies that move quite quickly that requires like a slightly quicker turnaround. So kind of like goes to our core team. We either like approve it right off the bat, which has happened a couple of times, or we will encourage uh, people who have pitched the proposal to like workshop it a couple of times because we're just, I guess, just starting out with this like kind of community driven proposal framework. There's a lot more flexibility to like workshop stuff over a longer period of time, which is great. So we haven't, we haven't outright rejected anything yet. I do imagine that will have have to happen in the near future though. And I think it's just, yeah, a natural part of any media DAO operation. So anyway, yeah, so the core team accepts the proposal and then from there, we set up a Discord thread for the project. Usually each project starts an ideation session that's open to the entire community. And at this point, the proposal that kind of goes through us is like shared with a wider community and anyone can kind of comment on the original doc. So kind of like the core team has decided that this like makes a really great water music project, but the community can kind of come in and help out in a bunch of different areas, like identify major blind spots maybe in which perspectives we're not considering, like if it's an interview project. This has happened a couple of times where the community has like really stepped in and being like, oh, you're, you know, you're writing about the metaverse, for example, you should really talk to these communities that are really establishing the culture from the ground up of these virtual worlds, but are usually not featured in the media, just like as an example. So once a proposal is approved by still a very small group, namely the core team, it's a pretty fluid process. And like the core team actually is not 
super involved in like dictating the direction of what happens after that. So like, you know, like who people want to interview or how people will figure out the information and find out the information that they want to get about a certain project. We actually tend to be pretty hands-off. Like that should be something that the project lead should lead for that specific thread. The only other step where I think there is a very centralized filtering process is like a late stage editing. So like I still read through and give feedback on every article that gets published to the Water Music site just to make sure that there aren't any like glaring errors. There, there is a small and growing group of people who have now edited several different water music articles or research project outputs who I am like, yeah, now trying to entrust more with taking over that editing process. But it is still like there is like an onboarding and training and I guess alignment process that has to happen, usually through having contributed to previous projects, like me kind of giving guidance and mentorship there before I kind of like open it more up to them. So it's still... Yeah, still quite centralized. The editing slash like project filtering process still controlled by a small group of people, which also like the community is aware of. And I think because people understand that we're in this transition, like there hasn't been any huge criticism or like outcry against that. Yeah, we definitely want to make that clear. So it's usually like kind of like first mile getting a project off the ground. Last mile, making sure that everything's ready for the water music site. Everything else in between is actually still pretty fluid. And we'd like invite... We're pretty flexible how, about how like a project might evolve in terms of the focus based on community interests or based on like new information that comes in. Yeah, that's a basic life cycle for now. Do you kind of feel like you're raising a child that's finally like getting its independence and you're like, okay, I'm going to slowly let you off into the world? <laughs> I am. Um... Okay, I, I'm I'm laughing because uh, I actually th- I think about like individual articles in this way. So like a, a joke that I will make a lot of the time, and maybe this is just completely ridiculous, but especially with like a, a season like research project that might take a very long time, like with the case of season two, like three months to put together, it feels like giving uh, like intellectual birth. That's usually <laughs> what I say. Like you spend, obviously you cannot even compare like the amount of like pain you go through writing versus like actually giving birth to human. But the, the, the general idea of like having something kind of like be in the works and be in progress for so long and then seeing it out in the world and seeing how people interact with it and like that being like relieving, but also exciting for some reason, I just, yeah, like consider that uh, or I like think of that analogy of giving birth on the organizational level. That's so interesting because, yeah, water music at, in terms of like years in existence as a paid business, as a community, as a brand is not even four years old yet. So I feel like it's still like very much in its infancy and uh yeah, I'm trying to think of what what like a teenage water music would look like. <laughs> like <laughs> because what, you started what, what it, right? Sorry, as like you you alone started it, right? You didn't yeah. have co-founders when you originally did it. No, yeah, no, no co-founders. So yeah, definitely, it does feel like it, it can be akin to raising a child in that I do, I do feel like a big part of the challenge, but also like something that's super exciting is having, I guess, entrusting more and more people through the right like guardrails with the water music brand such that it like it far transcends 
just me or like people's awareness of me, which of course, like uh, I, yeah, to take like the Tao part seriously is like definitely a requirement. Like it shouldn't just be tied to anyone founder or celebrity or, or like whatever figure. So yeah, I feel it's, it's more like nurturing like the next generation of people in the music industry to have a similar like mindset and to act on a similar mindset of like collaboration interdisciplinary knowledge sharing that I have like always cared deeply about in my writing career so yeah I guess it's it's more like community building than raising a child I guess but yes <laughs> and I did I did I did start it myself and kind of open sourcing or expanding that process to more people is definitely like it is it is similar to raising a child in that like it definitely also cannot be short-circuited like it takes a lot of nurturing and patience i think like people call a lot of dow work gardening for a reason i like completely mm-hmm. understand that it, like it's very like slow and methodical and incremental work to like see this grow over time as well totally yeah i know i'm i in the most recent season two report something that i thought was really interesting was this like design pattern around user-generated content but also like co-creation with fans and artists and all of these pieces, which kind of feels like what water music is exploring. I guess fans is kind of a strange word, but co-creation of something, whether that be, you know, resources and written content or experiences in this like metaverse, whatever it might be, I think is is a really like interesting space to be in because I do think oftentimes we tend to associate the work that we put out there into the world, whether it be under our own name or a brand like Water Music with like who we are. And so I would imagine when you start to open that up and co-create, it opens this entire sort of can of worms around what standards you want, but also like to your point, what it means to nurture these things. And so I'm curious how how you sort of think about that design pattern and that future in the context of you doing something pretty similar with water and music. Yeah, so interesting you made that connection. Yeah, because with, yeah, thinking with the artist and fan connection, especially in like a co- creative context actually okay in a very uh non-research context but definitely still water music context as of recording this we're actually about to wrap up our latest academy series so we have these educational series for members just diving into very aspect various aspects of the industry as a member benefit and the current series is about the artist team i mentioned this because just today we held a session on world building so like interviewing creative directors, people who work at agencies building like VR and AR experiences for artists, people building their own virtual worlds for music music experiences, et cetera. And one of the questions was, what is the difference between world building and community building? And I, mm. I have to credit Pablo Smith, who works at um, Somewhere Systems, which is a creative services company focused on mixed reality experiences. He said that the way he distinguished between world building and audience building, I think, is relevant to to DAOs and to just your latest question. So world building, I think um, I actually need to think out loud a bit about like, to what extent I do fully agree with this. I think world building is very, is still pretty centralized in that it's about like what narrative you're trying to present to the world and how you 
communicate that narrative consistently across multiple different channels. So like, and world building, it doesn't even have to be like super high tech. It could be a newsletter. Like as an artist, you could write a weekly newsletter, just diving into your, your own world, your own perspective on the world as an artist. And like that could be world building. If you do that very consistently, if you very consistently put out a certain narrative about what you care about, the kind of mindset that you embrace. Community building, at least in yeah, like a traditional sense, you start to put more in the hands of the community members. So like the best communities take just say, I guess a standard example of just like brand communities as an example. I think the brands that run the best communities accept that they don't have to be the center of attention all the time. Like uh, you can have mm. a very vibrant brand community channel where it's just people like sharing dog photos or like sharing their favorite music if they're not a music brand and like that is uh that's amazing like of course the the brand is what brought people together but people are you know multifaceted human beings and so they'll want to talk about other probably talk about other topics outside of just this one brand or product and that's like totally fine but yes thinking about that comparison out loud i think there definitely are a lot of communities in web3 where they are trying to blur the two so like have community building be the form of world building in itself which i think is super compelling at the same time so and i'm i guess i'm only speaking from i can only speak directly from water music's experience having a community that is i guess like building its own narratives writing its own narratives in a certain way still needs good moderation and i think moderation is an inherently centralized act the the act of who can moderate a certain community or forum, of course, can be distributed among many people. And you can rotate who those people are. I think, yeah, some of the strongest communities that I've seen, the most interesting initiatives that I've seen have like regular rotations of like who is a moderator, which I think is very healthy. But the process of deciding like what your community's code of conduct should be, I feel like like there there has to be some trusted person or group of people to make that decision. Otherwise It'll just constantly keep changing and people will feel like the experience is very inconsistent from the community member's perspective in terms of like not, not, not just what behavior is encouraged, but also what behavior is is not encouraged and what will happen if you kind of like breach those rules or guidelines. So yeah, so to bring that to water music, like the world building, narrative building and community building aspect, it, it certainly is like a push and pull like people are aware that water music has published a certain perspective on the music industry for longer than the DAO side of water music has existed and a lot of that has been driven of course by like yeah my own writing and editing and they've like thankfully i think taken a lot of joy out of having that be more of a push and pull so like me slash the core team kind of saying like we think the metaverse for example is an important co- topic to cover right now even if like web3 is still the top channel in our discord server we think like the metaverse is important to cover right now because we're tracking these trends and see like xyz amount of money is being thrown into metaverse startups like an increasing pace people like all these virtual world platforms are springing up gaming companies are still growing so it's, it's it's an important trend for the industry to know and like the community is still trusting us with that narrative setting but then from there, like based on community needs and interests, the ultimate shape of what that narrative takes, the the hope is that it's still very much in the hands of the community and they have a lot of influence in kind of shaping what that looks like. 
I think, yeah, all that to say, like narrative building and community building certainly go hand in hand in decentralized communities. But in terms of setting the bounds of a like compelling and also understandable and memorable narrative, I think it's still like inherently centralized process by necessity. Yeah, it kind of makes me think that ultimately, like, maybe there will be a world in which artists or creators and fans or consumers co-create within very specific constraints almost. The way I always like to think about it is like a bowling lane where like you have those bumpers that you can put up. I'm a terrible bowler and I like having the bumpers. <laughs> um, and it kind of feels like that where, you know, no matter where the ball goes, if you have bumpers, it's not going to go into the other bowling lanes and that's a good thing. And so it, it I, I almost think that like some of these pieces around narrative and having guiding the discussion, even when maybe the metaverse, for example, in the case of water music, wasn't the thing that was the top channel, but it's like, no, we, we think this is going to be the most important thing. And now we've identified from where we are point A to where we want to be point B. Let's figure out as a group, you know, how we get there. I think there's something really interesting to that because I also think people don't. I think we overestimate how much people want to be involved as as like fans, for example, in these like day-to-day operational things. Mm. You know, like people don't – I mean, yes, some fans might want to be involved in very specific decisions Beyonce's team, for example, makes. But for the most part, like, I don't know, blurring this line between consumer and producer – I think is fun, but I also think there's like a human tendency to not want to be overwhelmed with all these types of decisions. Completely. I completely agree. Yeah. Like, uh, I've seen some NFT projects where I think if you own like a premium NFT, you can be, you can like shadow the artist as like a tour manager for a day. And I'm like, that sounds really cool, but like at the most extreme could actually be a nightmare <laughs> like either mm-hmm. either because like yeah or like because the fan is like actually not the best person to do that or like tour management is actually a very stressful job that like requires really good project management communication skills etc i mean yeah like so many other jobs yeah that's absolutely been my experience uh, at water music also we have this specific context of being a professional community and also a lot of people who might want to get involved also have uh, full-time jobs. And so they also have just like a limited amount of time to lead things significantly anyway. So that's definitely, we're thinking about that seriously with like just communicating ways to get involved and onboarding contributors, having more accessible paths to earning our token without having to just like lead a project outright. Like if you are just tapped into certain networks that can help us curate like music web3 projects for example or like music metaverse projects that is super valuable in and of itself and also hopefully doesn't require too much additional time commitment and will be like rewarded accordingly so like yeah accounting for and then a lot of people like verbatim they will come into your project and they're like just tell me what to do and i'll do it which like (laughs) if you (laughs) if you think about like the 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 value proposition supposedly of DAOs is like the complete opposite. It's like, no, the whole point <laughs> is that you can like take agency over your projects, do whatever you want to do, which is like still totally true. And I think that is like the goal for the infrastructure that we want to build at least within water music, but completely agree, like vast majority. So like contributors are still like, we, we send contribution opportunities to our entire member base on a weekly basis. And it's still like only a minority of people who 
like will actually end up contributing and and like contributing in in a tangible way there in stream we have a ton of lurkers which is amazing like i i think that is the point is to give people a window into how this process works where that window might not otherwise be available made available by other media companies and then also to just enjoy the fruits of our labor and hopefully find it valuable to keep paying for it. Like that is totally cool. Like we absolutely need and definitely want to grow that group of people who just want to like support our work and like consume it and hopefully find it useful in their day to day. So yeah, definitely it's to, to the point where we, we definitely track the number of, we. I mean, of course, yeah, we, of course we track the number of contributors who are involved per project, but we're not like leaning on, like growing the percentage of our community who ends up being a contributor as like the most like necessary or reliable metric to optimize for. Cause that, that doesn't necessarily speak to like the quality of the work. Like it is absolutely true to have too many cooks in the kitchen. And if people like don't want to contribute, like we shouldn't force them to. So yeah, definitely like always aware of these ratios. Definitely don't want that percentage to decrease over time, but that's not necessarily something that we're pushing for because we're aware of like various different motivations for people to even be in the community in the first place. Yeah, it would be like a company measuring their success based on how many employees they have. Like it's, exactly, it really yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. make that much sense. Yeah, and I also think the point about not everyone wanting to have autonomy and make the decisions about what they work on is a really good one. I I saw a tweet, I think from Jihad from Forefront about this. I think I saw or, that tweet also. <laughs> yeah. It, and yeah. it's such a good point. Like some people just want to be told what to do because there's mental overhead in trying to figure out where you fit in and where you can provide value and all this stuff. So I think that's like a really interesting point and one that I think a lot of DAOs should be thinking more about. One more thing I want to ask you about before we wrap up because I feel like we we got a chance to cover DAO stuff, but I also want to ask you more broadly, you mentioned in the beginning this idea that, you know, in 2015, when you were first exposed to blockchain and, and all that stuff, a lot of the ideas that people had were around reporting and, you know, the stuff that like requires a lot of big institutions to change. And it kind of makes me wonder how much, and this is my question more broadly in the space, but I think music is such an interesting like manifestation of culture that I, I think hearing your thoughts on this would be like very insightful in, in terms of probably more broadly how this stuff works. But I'm curious, how much do you think consumers drive industry change as opposed to these like, you know, more institutional players? And, and something I think of here is TikTok and how much TikTok has, mm-hmm. I'm sure, already changed the music industry, which feels like mostly a consumer push that drove that change. And so I'm curious from a Web3 perspective, how much do you think this stuff will be driven by consumer or maybe artist uh, changes and how they're doing things versus like industry players that are already out there changing their ways? Yeah, I I also was thinking of TikTok as a great example of consumers and fans 100% rather than the industry driving change. And and TikTok in particular has gotten so influential to a point where I think a lot of like music marketing feels reactive like in like a TikTok dominated world. Like it's just like, mm. oh, we saw the song go viral. Now we have to, like we saw this, this is a really good comic slash meme of like a 40 year old song, like uh, 
kind of like be- being buried in the graveyard of being like, ah, the song may now like lay to rest. It has done its service in this world. And then like TikTok comes along, like digs up the grave <laughs> and is like, just kidding. So it, it creates like a very chaotic, like marketing landscape for music. It's very reactive. Anyway, so yeah, so like for Web3 specifically, in terms of our current understanding of what is possible with Web3, it has absolutely been led by artists in the music industry. So like Song Camp, for example, and their very aptly named Chaos Project, um, <laughs> completely like artist, songwriter, producer led collective and initiative. And it has been a ton of like fellow artists, songwriters and producers who have like bought those NFTs as well. And they, I think in, in an interview that we did with one of their founders, Matthew Chame, um, he said that it, like they were much more interested in kind of tinkering with economic models around music as opposed to trying to scale to like millions of fans immediately like like Mm. that was a system that they wanted to like intentionally steer away from and kind of like experiment away from yeah in terms of like the use cases that have come up absolutely it's been like independent artists who have the flexibility in terms of time and also uh like ip like owning most Mm. of their music copyrights that has given them enable them to be a lot more nimble or like not have to jump through as many hoops to even just like release an nft project around music um for the next wave though i think like if if the goal is to scale this technology to fan bases who otherwise would not care at all about whether something is an nft or some other kind of like web 2 file format i think like the so the next phase of growth will absolutely have to be like much more fan and user centric like for all of the for all the hype around music and web 3 i actually don't hear about the fan or collector perspective as much i think because Mm. that group of nft collectors to date has been very much limited to people who may already have the crypto or the general resources and time and bandwidth to to experiment with the technology in the first place so uh yeah in short I think uh, technological change and cultural change for sure are both like are both driven by fans and creative communities kind of working together in tandem. And in Web3, in music and Web3, the creative community element is super, super strong, very tight knit, like lots of cross collaboration, cross pollination happening within artist communities at a pace that I've really not seen elsewhere in the music industry. But definitely to like, for like the next phase, figuring out what use cases will actually stick. That all, that all is in in the hands of fans and consumers. I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been so interesting. I'm so glad that we got to chat on this. Where can people learn more about the work that you're doing with Water and Music and follow everything that you're putting out? Thank you again for having me, Chase. Yeah, of course. Best place to follow me and and Water Music is probably on Twitter. So I'm on Twitter at my full name, Sherry Hu, and the number's 42. So Sherry Hu 42. Water Music's handles water underscore and underscore music. Any new articles we publish, any new educational series, NFTs you might drop. If you're interested in supporting us on chain, that's the place to find us. We also have a uh, LinkedIn page, if that is your that happens to be your social platform of choice. <laughs> Publish all our article updates there as well. Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks again for having me. If you like what you heard, please make sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast. I always forget to do this for podcasts I like, but it's actually super useful. Also, if anything resonated with you or if you want to continue the conversation, hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Chaser Chapman. I absolutely love talking about these things. 
Thanks again for listening.